I want to just share with you a couple things as we get, get started. First, I want to make sure we're constantly rehearsing and reminded that the year 2016 for us is a year of focusing on being blessed by God so that we can bless other people. How many of you are enriched by God? Right? We're enriched by God. So let's make this declaration. Here's an expression of our core values. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. That really becomes our mandate together as a family. Anybody who spends any length of time should be embracing those concepts and influenced and affected by those. And it all starts with the first element, outrageously loving, and that's where we want to try uh, to continue to move forward. So, I, you know, I get to hear like stories and things that are going on uh, around us that you don't always get to hear. And so a couple of things have happened this last week I wanted to mention to you. Of course, it's easy to see when we have 50 or 60 people get baptized and still celebrating that. Come on, let's just give Jesus some more praise over that whole deal. What a great night that was uh, just a few weeks ago. But uh, last week, we had a family. They live in Seattle, and they were in Oklahoma City for a week and came to church. They uh, have been watching us online now for a long time and giving very consistently every month. They've set up a recurring giving just to support our ministry. And they travel all over the, the, the world, actually, through their endeavors. But you know, just honestly talking with them about the impact we've had, I was so encouraged and I wanted to tell you that we're making a difference beyond what we understand. I actually got a, a family from Texas contacted me this last week. They are starting a, a community group, a small group in their home, and they are going to use our material, our messages and our discussion questions. Many of our community groups actually use the discussion questions out of the Sunday message to further explore and have conversation uh, and so they're going to be launching in that. So that was exciting. And then with, um, with the use of our technology, and I want to say thanks to all of our tech team, everybody running cameras in the production room and the sound booth. How many you know all this stuff doesn't just happen because we hope it happens? It happens because people show up early, work hard. So would you just help me say thanks to these guys standing here on the camera, having to work all this out. Appreciate these guys. And through the use of technology, we get to be a part of a commissioning service in England this week as Simon, who came and spent some time with us uh, in interning and being mentored, has taken his first assignment as a pastor. So uh, what an exciting thing. We as Destiny are going to be a very strong source for that ministry expression taking place. And, uh, you know, honestly, we don't want you, just, just hear me, I, I'm just having a pastor chat before I get going, Okay. We don't want you to merely attend church. Jesus didn't die so we could merely go to church. I believe that it is our mandate to make disciples and see God's work expand in the earth. We don't want, I've already seen some people tagging us online who was, they were with us in the first service. Others are tuning in online right now in the second service. We don't want you to merely listen to sermons. We don't want you to merely go to church. We want to make disciples who are really devoted to seeing God's work expand in the earth. How many of you know, especially with everything going on in our nation right now, everybody needs Jesus. If everybody could be like Jesus, how many think the world would be a better place? 
Come on, that is our mission, that is our assignment, and that is our endeavor. And that doesn't just happen because we hope it happens. It happens because we gather, we love, we serve, we give. God has always made sacrificial offering, giving, serving as a part of an expression of worship in the body of Christ and the church over the ages. So uh, I want to encourage you in that. You'll see this merge card, and we talk about it all the time. We used to have all these different pieces of communication, but this is the main thing that we focus on now. If you want to know how to be involved in some area, you know, there's like, this is like a highway of stuff going on. During a school year, we will clearly have 4,000 people across our campus in the course of one week. I mean, it's amazing all the stuff we've got going on seven days a week, but uh, you know, with any of the stuff that's going on to make this happen today, worship team, greeting, coffee, everybody's working so hard, kids ministry, you can just fill this out and ask questions or get involved, community groups. You probably saw the, the food table when you came in, if you notice, and that's like families in our community that have free and reduced lunch during the school year, they go hungry in the summer because there's not a school program providing. Come on, let's be the church. And so we're working to make that connection and help those families have food in about a month. We'll start busing in underprivileged children again, trying to help them. That uh, their basically reading deficiency exists and abounds in this particular school that we're working with, and we want to offer help and assistance there. So anything at all that you want to know about or help get involved, how many of you believe we need to expand the work of God in the earth, right? I mean, this is not just about coming singing songs and getting preached up a little bit. So I encourage you, fill out that merge card, drop that in one of the giving stations or give it to someone in the lobby, and let's be faithful in our giving so that we can be financially strong and make an impact in our world. Amen and amen. So what we want to do is take a look and move forward in this whole idea of Jesus revealed in every book of the Bible. So I want to pick up today on a book, again, another book that you might not even uh, really think about or know about in terms of reading. It's a small three-chapter book tucked in the Old Testament, the book of Nahum. And we, you know, as we go through and we find Jesus in each one of these books, there's a, a clear message. And, and like, you can't just pick up the Bible and read a little piece of it and expect to have, you know, vast understanding because this is not like little letters that are individually written. How many of you know this is one big letter from God? And so the context of all of this is really important. There are things we're not going to understand, things I'm not going to understand. Like, it's my job to study this out and study various theologians and have conversations with our elders about various doctrinal uh, understandings and so on. And, and some of it gets very complex very fast because, let's just be honest, we as a temporal people are trying to understand an eternal God. And so a lot of times I think we get our temporal conclusions all you know, we get all caught up in these temporal conclusions and we allow that stuff to divide us and we shouldn't. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. How many of you know that's true? And like things you believe today are probably going to transition along the journey. And there are negotiables uh, when you start coming to theological conclusions. And there are non-negotiables. And we need to know what those are. And today I want to just give you a little bit of an explanation of where there starts to be some non-negotiables. And we need to address some of these from time to time and take a look. Jesus is revealed in the book of Nahum in a really interesting way. He is addressing and revealed as one that produces and brings, and listen carefully, you're, you're not going to understand the word because our culture has hijacked this term, okay? Jesus is revealed in Nahum as one who brings judgment against sin. And the reason you don't understand the word is because judgment seems to be this terrible thing and a completely misunderstood concept, in my opinion, 
Uh, I believe God wants the very best for you. And judgment against sin is to separate you from an ideology that the enemy wants to use to destroy your life. Did you hear what I just said? Judgment against sin is to separate you from some form of ideology that the enemy wants to use to destroy your life. And so this book is all about judgment against these damaging effects of ongoing disobedience from God. So we see this, and it it's kind of explains, and it's, again, the idea of judgment. When I, when I start reading this to you, anybody remember that song we used to sing, um, How Lovely on the Mountains Are the Feet of Him Who Bring Good News? How many of you sung that song before? How many, you, you know what I'm talking about? That's old school, man. We're reverting back now. It's like Hosanna days. And, uh, and I remember when we used to sing that, I was thinking, that's confusing. Like, I first started singing, How Lovely Are the Feet, you know, like, Are the Feet. But it's actually a lovely... On the mountains are the feet of him. And it's talking about a runner that brings good news. And how many of you know when somebody comes to you with good news, they have a little bit different stride than somebody who comes to you with bad news. Like when somebody comes in and they need to talk about something, right? That's probably not a good news. But when someone comes in and they say, hey, I need to tell you something, then that's good news. And so that's what they, that's what this reference, you know, when somebody's bringing good news. By the way, that song, you remember the, the, the line, our God reigns? Our God reigns, right? Let's sing it together. I, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, that's that line, our God reigns. Well, I had a guy that was telling me, he was speaking at a church, standing on the front row, and this lady behind him, she didn't know the song, and she's singing the wrong words, but she's like singing her guts out, and she's singing, I've got brains, instead of our God reigns. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's the heart that matters, I guess. So here's the scenario, and we're looking at this. This is where that whole song comes from, the whole idea, the good news, because this is the verse, Nahum 1, verse 15. Look there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Okay, this is a book of judgment. And did you hear two very important things? Good news and peace. Good, the good news is you don't have to settle in to any kind of ideology that the enemy's going to use to destroy you, and you don't have to lose your peace. Like, this is really important. We didn't coordinate the conversation of peace or anything like that. Uh, you know, God's just wanting to have a conversation. And let me just say to you, when you make the choice to live a lifestyle of perpetual disobedience against God, you will not possess peace in your life. You will never find yourself at peace. You're constantly striving and something's just not right deep internally. And I want to show you a few things to help you understand that today, and that's the word, the essence of this entire book, this focus. Jesus is so gracious and so loving. I, I, I shared in one, or maybe both, last week, a story, and it's about, you remember the little boy who had all the marbles? Did I say that in here? And the little girl who had all the candy? And the little girl said, I'll give you all the candy if you'll give me all your marbles? And so he gathers his marbles and he goes in his bedroom and he's thinking about this and looking at, I mean, like there's five favorite marbles and, and he didn't want to lose all his marbles. And so he actually hid five marbles, didn't tell her, he hid them. And then he took his bag of marbles back and he said, okay, I've decided I'll give you all the marbles if you'll give me all that candy. And she said, deal, here's all the candy. And she took almost all the marbles thinking he had given them all. And so that night later on, she goes to bed. She falls sound asleep. And this boy lies there looking at the ceiling, thinking in his mind, did she give me 
all the candy. (laughs) Do you understand? Sin will cost you your peace. It, It messes with you deep internally. There are consequences to our disobedience. And I just don't hear nearly enough people addressing this in an appropriate biblical context, so I want to bring it to you today, Jesus revealed out of the book of Nahum. And I just gave you your your blank, if you'll write that down. There are consequences to our disobedience. See, here's the great deception of sin. Great deception of sin. The effects of sin. Like, we do understand the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. How many of you know that when you embrace sin, it costs you something of your life and you don't even realize that you're losing it, okay? Clearly, the wages of sin is death. But here is the great deception of sin. The effects are not obvious. The effects are not immediate, but the effects are inevitable. Let me say it again. The effects of sin are not obvious, and the effects of sin are rarely, if, if ever, immediate, but the effects of sin are always inevitable. So we need to understand this and see what God's trying to reveal, and ultimately what he's doing is trying to protect us. Like, disobedience to God is a little bit like putting sand, a cup of sand, in your gas tank. You can put a cup of sand in your gas tank, and like everybody says, not like you hear a sermon, don't put sand in your gas tank. Five reasons you never want to put sand in your gas tank. And you walk out and you say, it's my gas tank. I'll put sand in my gas tank if I want to. And you take a cup of sand and you pour it in the gas tank and you start up the car. And guess what? The car starts up. The car runs like sand's filtering down in these mechanisms of your, of your car. But it started up right. And, and you say to yourself, I put sand in my gas tank tomorrow too because nothing happened when I put sand in my gas tank. How many of you know something is going wrong? You just don't know it yet. Something is going, whenever we walk in a posture and we say, well, yeah, he's God and that's what he says, but I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what God says. How many of you know there are parts of the Bible that are uncomfortable for all of us if we ever come to resolve, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what God has to say, then you got to understand what you're doing is you're toying with fire. Literally, it's this idea of putting sand in the gas tank. God wants to protect you. God wants to protect you. You know, I've talked before about this interesting verse of Scripture, and I think it's Exodus 23, uh, but it's not on your card or anything. I didn't prepare today, but I want you to think about this, okay? Because how many of you believe, let's just take a quick vote, how many of you believe that we should obey the Bible and our lives will be better if we will? Can I just see your hand? Okay, like thou shalt not kill. Can we vote on that one? Everybody agree? Don't kill people, okay? Like the Ten Commandments, these aren't like lofty, huge, amazing. These are like low bar, don't kill each other. Like this is basic stuff here, okay? And so you take these things and you read that and then you read like you're reading along and and I found this verse of scripture and it says this. Don't cook a baby goat in its mother's milk. Like how many of you got that one? Can I just see, you're not gonna ever, how many of you promise to me right now you'll never cook a baby goat in its mother's milk? Thank you, I see that hand. Yes, hallelujah. We're having baby goat milk revival in this place right now. 
Okay, we don't have any problem doing that, but, but the issue back in that particular day, uh, they, you know, their microwaves didn't work as well as ours do, so cooking uh, back in biblical days was a little bit more difficult and laborious, and so it was actually more convenient just to boil the, the meat in a, a thing of milk. Instead of like having to, you know, skew it, roast it over the fire, turn it. It's just more convenient to do it that way. But God says, don't do that. And like people are like, God, you're just such a prude. You know, I can't even believe it's just so much easier. It's more convenient. Everybody's roasting their baby goat in the mother's milk. Have you heard all these arguments before, right? And so God says, don't do it. So you probably shouldn't do it. Well, we understand now why you shouldn't do it. Because when you drink milk, um, think about this. What's your body temperature? 98 points. It's almost 100 degrees. If you put milk in a 100-degree temperature for a few days, what's going to happen to that milk? Problems, okay? So when you drink milk, because it's liquid, it goes through your system, no problem at all. But if you boil meat in milk, the bacterial substance of the milk absorbs into the meat it will literally putrefy, remain in your system too long. That bacterial substance will poison your bloodstream and you could possibly die. Do you understand? Like, God's not trying to be mean to us by giving us rules, He's trying to protect us. And we need to learn to read the rule book. How many of you agree with me? So, I'm, I'm a little off. I didn't share this in the first one, but you know, you guys are just. You guys are just one notch above, aren't you? So I'm going to tell you, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, Exchange student from Mexico, lived in our house, big guy, real big guy. Uh, He came over, uh, we had a student here, Randy, he was an even bigger guy. And so they're at our house, and uh, they were living with us, Randy's senior year, and Salvador was the exchange student. He didn't speak a lot of English. He knew brother, mom, and dad. That's about what he knew when he first came. And so Randy was brother, Tracy was mom, and I was dad. And um, so, you know, he didn't speak English, didn't read English. And so we're in the front room, and we hear Salvador in the back of the house. And all we hear Salvador, he's screaming, and he's saying, Oh, brother, bad, bad. Very bad. That's all we hear. So we go running back. What is bad, bad, very bad? And we realize he's holding a toothbrush in one hand and a tube of toothpaste in the other hand, but he didn't have toothpaste. He had Randy's jock itch cream, and he had brushed his teeth with jock itch cream. I just want you to know, if you're interested in knowing what it's like to brush your teeth with jock itch cream, it is bad, bad, very bad. Okay, Salvador proved that to us. How many of you know he would have spoiled himself, whatever that flavor was in his mouth that particular day, if he would have simply read the instructions? I mean, you with me, okay? So like you have a Bible in your hand or a digital apparatus, just hold it up there. Your life will be better if you will read the instructions. Like, if you'll pay attention, this is why God is trying to help us understand there are certain things that are simply bad, bad, very bad. This whole book of Nahum is about bad, bad, very bad Nineveh. 
The whole book, three chapters, is total focus of this as we're looking at history and context and seeing this. Now, Nineveh, we recently read about Nineveh and talked about that, right? What book is Nineveh found in? Jonah, right? Jonah talked to Nineveh, rescued them. Aren't you glad Nineveh turned the corner, came to know God? I mean, that's what it says. This is a prophecy, Nahum 1-1, a prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum. And so, you know, Nineveh turned to God, and now this is 150 years later. The book of Nahum, now this prophecy is 150 years later. Now, you remember what happened, and we showed, I showed you that particular day if you were here some archaeological findings. They found pictures and drawings and so forth, and Nineveh was a really bad place. Like totem poles that were spears with skulls, human skulls stacked on top of each other. So you got totem poles of human heads. You had hands and feet cut off of people that were impaled on spears, bodies lying in the open street, and they did it all to intimidate people. The, the whole idea they were trying to send a signal, do not mess with Nineveh, and so we understood why Jonah ran rather than just going there. He obviously had some reasoning behind that. But now here's Nahum talking about Nineveh, and it's 150 years later. Thank God Jonah rescued Nineveh. So now let's see how they're doing 150 years later. Nahum 3, 1 to 3. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims, many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses. What happened to Nineveh? Nineveh fell back into her own ways, her old ways. After Nineveh turned to God, Nineveh fell back to her old ways. And the entire book of Nahum is talking about now destruction that would come, and it ends literally with the destruction of the city. And we read about this in Nahum 1, 7, and 8. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of, of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him, but with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end to Nineveh And Nineveh fell, 612 B.C., right after the prophecy was spoken, it was fulfilled. Now, guys, there's a really important element for us to understand. How many of you believe God's hope was to help Nineveh, right? And and that was his whole plan. But if we just leave unchecked sin in our lives and we never address these issues, we return back to patterns and perpetuating ideas that are costing us something in our lives. We have to address things that are violating the nature of God. I want to just break this down so that we all understand, guys... You can have your own opinions if you want to. You can have your own attitudes if you want to. But I just want to say, in speaking of our entire church, as for me and my house, how about we just step into this dimension together? As for me and my house, my attitude, my opinion, my perspective is constantly, readily, in humility going to be shaped by the opinions of God. As for me and my, how about you? As for me and my house, whether I like it or not, whether it makes me uncomfortable or not, what God says in his word, I may not understand why you can't boil the goat in the baby's milk. It seems like everybody's able to do that but me. I may not get it, but do you understand God provides boundaries because there's something in the midst of that that is so problematic. If we step over those boundaries, he's trying to protect us like a good father would. 
Nineveh fell back to their old ways. How many of you have some old ways? Yep. Nineveh fell back to their old ways. And let me just make the statement, put it in your blank if you would. Very important statement. Here's a t-shirt worthy statement for you. We are all destined to repeat the history of our lives until we reform the history of our minds. You can't just make a decision, I'm not going to think that way anymore. You have to make a decision to decide every day, I'm not going to think that way anymore. You cannot, cannot break free from the history of your life until you reform the history of your mind. So, like, you think about friends that, anybody here have friends, and when you think about this particular friend, like, when you get around them, they kind of drag you down into some old ways of thinking, that you get into some trouble when you get around. You might not have that friend because you might be that friend, so be careful. <laughs> Think about what I'm saying here. But I, I, thought, I was thinking about this, and I thought about immediately a name came to mind, a guy that I got into so much trouble with, and um, he and I figured out, you know how street lights, uh, I don't know if you realize, but most street lights, they have light sensors, so when it gets dark, that's what makes them come on. Now, some are timers now, but, but when it gets dark, they come on. And when it gets light in the morning, the, the street lights go off. Well, we figured this out, and we got a strong flashlight, like a spotlight-style flashlight. And we realized you could scoop back and get at a certain angle, and when you shine that light at the street light and it hit that eye, the light would go out. And it would take it like a half hour to start warming up and coming back on. And so we literally went to this one area that was two blocks from a church. Uh, we knew a kid, his dad pastored the church, don't get any ideas, girls. And, um, and so we got him involved with us, and we shine lights, and we knocked out every street light on this entire block, and it was totally dark. And then we went and hid in the bush where we had water balloons, and when the cars would come down the dark street, and they couldn't see us, and they couldn't see the balloons, we would throw the balloons and hit the windshield, and most of them, you know, and then they would just drive off. But sometimes some of the people got out of the car, and when they got out of the car, we obliged them as well, lobbing the balloons in their direction. And, and there were just a few occasions, not many, where they would chase us. They figured out where the balloons were coming from. Most people, like if you're being hit by balloons out of the car, they get back in the car. But a couple of, you know, stallion dudes, you know, they, they came after us. They decided. And so we had that planned as well. And so we were at a bush with a fence. You jump over the fence, run 15 feet, duck clothesline, go under the clothesline, that would catch the person chasing us, hop the next fence, hang a left, go around through a narrow area, and then get into the church where the pastor's son has a key and let us in, and we would hide on the floor, just under the window, so when people would go and they would look, they would never be able to see us. This, I just want you to know, this was not my idea, <laughs> but I willingly participated and this guy, he was like the kind of guy that it, when we get together, it was like always trouble, always something going on when we would get together. How many of you know you did not, how many of you can think of somebody like this? Let's just try again. Like you can think somebody gets you into trouble. I know, I know. Okay, so just, just, just follow me. You didn't get into your problems alone. You didn't gather your issues by yourself Somewhere you got into connections, and those connections led to ideas, and those ideas perpetuated something that created all kinds of problems in your life. If you could go back 
And you could meet somebody in your past and say, yeah, I'm not going to go there. How many of you would change it, right? There's somebody I would like to erase that person from my, my, I mean, I got into so much trouble being around this person. If I could just go back. You didn't get into your problems by yourself. Listen, because you didn't get into your problems by yourself, doesn't it make sense? You won't get out of your problems by yourself. Like, we need each other. Way more than what we realize, we need each other. So, like, the, the most central part of your design, when you take a shower and you stand there, if you just kind of put your hands here, you hit your belly button. Anybody realize that? You need to wash your belly button. I just want to encourage you in case you, some people in the first service, as soon as I said it, they stuck their finger under their shirt right then, started cleaning it out, okay? Your belly button is there to serve as a reminder that you, came, <laughs> that you came into this world connected to somebody, right? You came into this world connected to somebody. Life began connected to somebody. That's how life starts. Listen, that's how life is sustained. Your connections are really far more important than you realize, and this is all God's plan. Like, we're created in the image of Trinity God. What's Trinity God all about? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a loving community connection of God himself issuing and expressing love, affection, respect. You and I are created in that image. You know what? We are born to migrate toward connection and relationship. If we're going to be healthy, we have to make sure those relationships are right. This is such an important statement. It's so simple. If you're going to break a cycle, you need to learn to build a circle. You've got to get the right people on your team. Like, I don't know if you understand, but there's stuff. How many of you in this room would say right now there are areas in your life you would really like to break free from? Can I just see? Hold your hand up high. Just hold them around. I mean, I, I want... If you're going to break free and break a cycle, you're going to have to understand how important it is that you build a circle. So like, anybody here had um, gallbladder removed or, you know, gizzards that you didn't need? Unnecessary gizzards. How many of you have had them taken out? All right, look around. That's a lot of unnecessary gizzards. I think to myself, why did God put these gizzards in us if we don't even need them? And so those are organs that are not vital organs, right? So, so just follow me on this. There are organs and there are vital organs. Okay? Right? Let's all say it together. There are organs and there are vital organs. Like nobody in this room one day had their heart removed without having it replaced, right? Like that's an important one. Nobody in this room, contrary to what your wife might say, had your brain removed, okay? That's a vital organ. There are organs and there are vital organs. Life doesn't exist without the vital organs. Listen, there are relationships and there are vital relationships. There are friendships and there are vital friendships. Do you get the magnitude of what I am saying to you today? There are people that God's brought into your life and they are vitally important to 
everything God is wanting to bring into your life, and not only into your life, but come on, being used by God to bring that into theirs. We're going to break a cycle. We're going to have to build a circle. And you've got to know who your vital friends are to build the right circle, to break the damaging cycle. God wants us all to be free. It really, you, you really can change. How many of you know you can change? Like, I've had this debate with people, and they have said, people don't change. Somebody I really love and care about said to me one time, there are no, no, nobody nearby around here, but, but they said, people don't change. Oh, you cannot stick a knife deeper in my heart, because I am one of those people who has changed. Don't you try and attach me to my history. Don't you try and turn me into the person I used to be. God has done a work, and behold, all old things have passed away, and all things have become new. I want you to know you can change. This is what separates us from all other order of creation. I mean, it's hot right now, but what's going to happen when it gets cold? Birds are going to do what? They're going to fly south for the winter. Cows are going to eat grass all the days of a cow's life. They're never going to be eating grass and say, oh, it's some Mexican food. They're not ever going to do that. How many know cows are missing out? <laughs> this, this separates you from all creative order. And all you need to change your mind, I know this sounds so simple. How I many you know Jesus didn't make it hard? All you need to change your mind is new information. Your mind has this incredible ability to process these neurological, neurological pathways. And like you start getting in a rut of thinking. And so you just constantly think that way. You just constantly, this is where you are. And when you start to introduce a new a new rhythm. It's like, oh, 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 and it takes a while, but then it's like, oh, you can't, you can do this. You can do this. Have you ever moved and you like went to your old house after you'd already moved to the new house? How many of you have done it? I drove to Norman and we moved Northwest. I guess there was an OU drawing or something. I don't know what it was, but I drove all the way and I realized, oh, for seven years, I'd been driving that way. And my brain hadn't processed completely the trend. Listen, just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you're the old person. You can change. All you need is new information. How many of you have ever been to go to a restaurant? And you say that phrase, where do you want to go eat? And they lie and they say, I don't care. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Write that down, honey. Write that down. Sometimes pastors preach to their wives. You say, where do you want to go? He said, I don't care. You say, okay, well then let's go here. I don't want to go there. You said you didn't care. Now you care. I literally drove around our previous neighborhood. I said, where do you want to go? She said, I don't care. I said, okay, tell me. I just drove, turned left, drove. I wrote, drove around the block. And I, I said, I'm not going to stop driving around the block until you tell me where you want to go. She said, Lord, stop it. Our neighbor waved at us three times now. 
<laughs> so, so, so you're driving somewhere and you finally come up to some conclusion. Let's eat Italian. Okay, let's go. We're going to go eat Italian. And you start driving there like you're going that way and you're thinking about breadsticks. How many of you are hungry right now? You're thinking and you're driving toward Italian. And then the conversation comes up. Oh, I really love that other place, barbecue. Have you ever been to Wellston at the new barbecue place? I just tried it yesterday. And so like, all, and then all of a sudden, like you were going Italian. Now you're going somewhere. How many of you have ever done that before? Anybody? What are you, double-minded craziness? No, you just need more information to change your mind. I want to tell this section over here. All you need is more information and you can change your mind. Like, I want to tell this section. Come on, we're free. All you need is the right information. You can totally change your mind. I want to say to the center section, rise up in the destiny God has in store for you. Stop rehearsing the wrong stuff and start embracing the right stuff. You can change your mind. Come on, let's stand and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Would you just join me? We honor this King Jesus. He came and he lived and he died that we might have life. Come on with all that you are. Give him praise today. Thank God he connected us in this room. We want to break some cycles. So we are going to build some circles. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Six, six people raised their hand to give their lives to Jesus in the service before this one. Six people heard this message and said there are wrong ways of thinking that hold us hostage and there are right ways of thinking that help us become what God wants us to become. Six people prayed. And they received Jesus today in their heart. And heaven aligned with earth. And they became a new creation because Jesus is who he says he is. And his spirit is here at work in this room and in the earth. And he's trying to draw us into an understanding. I don't come up here and try and get myself revved up so I can preach with passion. And I just sense God so desperately trying to get our attention so desperately trying to get our attention come on just surrender to him now we surrender to you Lord have your way Holy Spirit have your way have your way in this room there are cycles of addiction in some of our lives, some of those cycles have been broken and we have stepped into a new dimension of liberty and freedom. In many of our lives, we know that there is a cycle of addiction, a cycle of some life-controlling, perpetuating behavioral pattern that God is speaking to. God himself is addressing. If that's you, I just want you to lift both your hands as we surrender more completely to him. And Lord, I pray that you would deal with the things in our hearts 
and deal with the things in our minds and deal with the things in our emotions, deal with the things in our lives that are patterns of behavior that are producing consequences that we do not even know are coming our way. Sand is slowly being poured into the gas tank, but you, God, are calling us in to a life that will not stall out mid-run, but we will run and not grow weary. We will run and we will not faint. We will rise up in the strength of God Almighty. Come on, let's declare it today. Chains are broken. Bondages are broken. 